sound good because i checked you and you talked oh i barely talked okay well we're here you sound great and your levels are good welcome to spooky show spooky show this universe ever life created <laughs> i'm your host kate and harrison is here as well correct correct anything at the top no a one you do- two how you doing? three four one two three Oh, I thought we were going to try to say the same thing at the same time. You want to play that game? Sure. Okay. Ready? One, One two, two, three. three watermelon. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into it. No, now we have to say a word that reminds us of lamp and watermelon until we get the same word. <laughs> lamp Wait, and I have to watermelon. think. I have to think. I have to think. Okay. Okay. One, One two, two, three. three sun. We're close. We're close. Okay. One, One two, two, three. three ocean. You. <laughs> okay. One, One two, two, three. Lake. H two O. You. <laughs> One, two, two three, three. River. Water. You already said water. You can't do that. One. Okay. Ready. One. What are What are the two words? River water and water. And river. One, two, three, drink. Drink. You stopped! I hate you. Well, I was trying to do a bit where we were going to go, one, two, three, spooky show. And everybody was going to go, oh my Woo! God. They, yeah, at okay. home, they would crash their cars. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'll have cars. to listen to that at the top. I know that's super annoying. <laughs> no, don't apologize. But I love that game, and Harrison never likes to play with me. So, anyway. Uh, what? I don't Have we ever talked about Yes, I've play? tried to play with you, and you're like, meh, 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 meh. Harrison hates games. Uh, it's true. He does. Except Fortnite. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm fine. I'm, I'm impartial <laughs> on games. Anyways. So it's a dark hit. It's a dark history episode today. And this was a requested episode. And the person who requested requested it wow good day not to talk um mentioned that it would be perfect given what's currently going on in this world when it comes to women's reproductive rights Ooh. um very scary i agree i i agree today we're talking about the dalkin shield okay i don't know what that is you don't know what that is the dalkin shield the Dalkin Shield. No, I don't know what that is. Wow. Okay. So I'll say at the Should top. Should I know what this is? Uh, I mean, you probably don't know what it is because it's all about how like women were being harmed and nobody cared. So maybe that's why you don't know, Harrison. Mm. You are a white man. That can't be it. <laughs> mm. No, probably just isn't that popular or cool. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> I only think care about things that are popular and cool. I'll just say at the top that the Dalkin Shield was a contraceptive intrauterine device. Oh, intrauterine device. So it was an IUD. I know what that and is. There's a dark history about this particular one, and I'm just going to leave it is at it that. Haunted? A haunted IUD? Yes. Let's actually, go. Actually, kind of. Um, 
So let's let's get into the story of the Stalking Shield. Okay. So in 1970, Wisconsin senator, who was it, Harrison? Are they still a senator? I don't know. 1970? I have no idea. You know all the history. Yeah, I know all the history. He knows Name everything. Name a date. Name a date. I'll tell okay. you something that happened. No, truly, somebody do it right now. I'll name any date in history. I'll tell you something that happened. Dead ass. April twenty seventh, nineteen ninety four. The sun went up and the sun went down. You're so stupid. <laughs> okay, so nineteen seventy, Wisconsin Senator Gaylord Nelson. He had called for a congressional hearing to discuss the safety of just oral contraceptives or birth control pills, uh, which had been approved for sale to the general public by the Food and Drug Administration about a decade earlier, so around, like, 1960. So the pill was obviously an important milestone for women. Orally-induced contraceptives. Because for briefly, I was like, are we talking about fucking dental dams? No. Okay, no. I'm talking about oral contraceptives. Yes, I know, but I briefly was like... Yeah, okay. So the pill was obviously an important All milestone right. for women who have fought for their reproductive rights forever. It's good, yes. But, but the pill back then, and honestly still today, was not perfect. Right. But it was even worse back then. So early versions of the pill contained roughly five times the amount of hormones found in today's pills. Holy shit. Yeah, which could lead to horrible side effects, just like nausea. Depression, weight gain, blood clots, and strokes. And honestly, this actually like came like as a surprise to the women who took it at the time because they didn't know enough the pill, and I'm sure neither did the doctors really. So they didn't like have any access to the of the information literally regarding like what they're putting in their bodies. And none of these side effects were listed on the packaging or like discussed with doctors. Yeah. So these Nelson pill hearings, as they eventually became known, were in response to a book called The Doctor's Case Against the Pill, written by a woman named Barbara Seaman. Damn. That's funny. That um, is funny. Ironic. The book contains a number of accounts from various women who have just had negative side effects from the birth control pill. And during the hearings, leading medical experts and pharmaceutical companies were all there to discuss the credibility of Barbara's attack on birth control pills. But absent from this hearing, of course, were women. It was all men discussing the validity of these claims in this book. Not a single woman was called on to speak about their experience on the pill. Uh, so this led to, of course, an outburst, since women at the time were essentially being used as guinea pigs for this pill. Um, ultimately, though, the Nelson Peer hearings, they two things came out of them. One, in order to better inform consumers, a law was passed that required every packet of birth control pills to contain a pamphlet that explained its risks and That's the good. side effects and the yeah. The second result was a pill scare that swept across the nation. Because now, after this, everyone's avoiding oral contraceptives, and they're kind of leaning towards other forms of birth control, like IUDs and yeah. other, other things, especially because Senator Nelson's lead speaker, Dr. Hugh Davis, 
who was a Baltimore-based gynecologist and head of the family planning clinic at Johns Hopkins. Um, he testified that women would be safer using an intrauterine device instead of the pill. So he's out there okay. being like, I like this doctor. He's from, out here like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yes. This doctor from freaking Johns Hopkins is like, IUDs are the way to go. Don't take the pill. Okay. Like, listen to me. I'm a doctor. <laughs> Trust me. You got to listen to me. I'm a doctor. So like I said, an intrauterine device is also known as an IUD. I'm sure everyone knows what that is. Uh, but in case you don't, they're just essentially like a piece of plastic that gets put into the uterus to prevent the fertilization process from happening. So they're highly effective, long-lasting, and easily reversible without the hormonal, hormonal effects associated with the pill. So now Dr. Hugh Davis, who confirmed Barbara Siemens' claims about the side effects of the pill being incredibly underreported, like, he agreed with Barbara. He was like, yeah, this is bad. He was so, so, so passionate about IUDs that one of the committee members even felt compelled to ask him if he owned a patent on one of the IUD devices currently on the market. Did he? Because she's like, why are you pushing this so hard, brother? And the doctor mentioned that he had co-invented an IUD about, Ah. about a decade earlier, but it was never sold to the public. Okay. So the committee member was like, then you, Dr. Davis, have no particular commercial interest in any of the intrauterine devices. To which Dr. Davis said, that is correct. This guy's just a raw dog and fiend? Nope, he was lying. Oh. That was a lie. He invented a way more recent IUD, and he had sold that IUD. Damn, did he get in fucking trouble for this? You'll see. He sold that IUD to a giant pharmaceutical company named A.H. Robbins just weeks before making this testimony. What a crook. What a crook. So he was also set to receive a percentage of the profits for every IUD the Robbins company sold for as long as it remained on the market. So Damn. Liar. Ba-doom, ba-doom, ba-doom. Liar. Fraud. So a woman that used to work for Dr. Hugh J. Davis said he was the most efficient man that she's ever met. Apparently, there's a story that is mentioned in every bit of research. I gotta say, the names in this are amazing. Barbara Seaman, Hugh, Hugh Davis. Hugh, he's Hugh J, right? Yeah. But it sounds like Hugh A. We have the Senator Gaylord from earlier. Yeah. We have Dr. Seaman. I know. Um, so every bit of research I did literally told this story to describe Dr. Hugh Davis, which was that he preemptively like removed his appendix so he would never risk having two later. And he like That's also very dope. That is actually very <laughs> sick. He's <laughs> like, I don't wanna unexpectedly like have to miss work. Um and he and if that ain't America, baby. He, like many others at the time, viewed pregnancy as a social evil. So what? He, he thought like overpopulation was contributing to poverty and unhappiness. And so he was like, We need to do something about this. He was very passionate about controlling the population. Which is, like, fair. Like, that was an issue. But you don't got to be so crazy but about it. in the 70s, controlling the population. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's a little witch population, you know. Yeah. It's a little dicey. I'm like, I don't know about this guy. So because of this, he would spend his days and nights trying to stop 
the global famine he thought was going to come because of the insane birth rate in the early 1960s. The boomers. Yeah. So after working at this Baltimore clinic. The 60s. But yeah, I'd say this guy probably fucking sucks really bad. Yeah. He would stay up until 4 a.m. after working all day designing and inventing new tools to like stop pregnancies. That's insane. That this is a this is that is sicko behavior. Yeah, it is. To just be a guy that's like I'm obsessed with stopping the process of fertilization. <laughs> that is fucking crazy. We gotta put this to an end. He's like, I will not let a woman beat me to the patent. So in 1967, Dr. Davis and his friend, who was a former electrical engineer, Erwin Lerner, began developing a new version of the IUD. So the devices that were currently on the market sucked. They either didn't work at all, they wouldn't stay in place, or they caused pain and cramps and bleeding. Uh-huh. So Davis and Lerner wanted to design a better one that would like just fix all these problems. So by August of that year, they completed a prototype. The device was round shape and made of flexible plastic. It had like spine-like protrusions outlining the outer area to prevent the dislodging that other IUDs IUDs were experiencing. So it was like five-pronged. It basically looked like a little crab. Um, to facilitate like the removal of the IUD, it contained a durable multi-filament tail similar to that of like a tampon called a super mid, which was made up of hundreds of nylon fibers encased in an outer shell for, like, protection. Um, Okay. So super mid was typically used to repair torn tendons on horses. Just a little FYI. So to ensure that this thing worked at his clinic, Dr. Davis began inserting his version of the IUD into patients and recording the results. And... He had consent to do this. Okay. Um, a year and 640 patients later, Dr. Davis got enough data to conclude that this thing that he and Lerner invented was amazing and resulted in a pregnancy rate of only 1.1%, which was so much lower than any of its competitors. So Dr. Davis published the results of his research in the Medical Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. And by 1969, word about the new IUD and the impressive statistics from, like, this, from Johns Hopkins that, like, supported all this great research, um, it, the news about this reached other doctors in the country. Mm. So, a medical practitioner and salesman from Ohio named Dr. Thad Earl was one of them. And Dr. Earl had been inserting the new IUD into his patients at his clinic and he was like so thrilled with the results that he contacted Dr. Davis and Lerner and their lawyer Robert Cohn to offer his like sales experience experience and um a $50,000 investment in exchange for a small ownership stake in the company. Oh shit. So this doctor was like, "I love your product. Let me invest." And so they accepted this because they could secure a sizable share in the contraceptive market. Contraceptive market, and Dr. Earl was a great salesman. So they're like, "Yeah, let's we like love Dr. Earl. get this guy on our side." So together, the four men—Davis, Lerner, Earl, and Cone—formed the Dalkin Corporation. Ah, because it's all their names. And they would 
call the I don't it I don't think so. Is it Davis Lerner Earl Cohn? Kind of. I guess. Dalkin is spelled D A L K O N, if that helps. Um No. They called their new IUD the Dalkin Shield. The Dalkin Shield. It sounds like a dance. It sounds like, and are we doing the Dalkin Shield? Uh, Well, it's an IUD. Well. Close enough. So surprisingly, doing the Dalkin Shield. I suppose selling this thing was super easy. Okay. Dr. Earl would set up demonstration booths at like medical conventions all around the country, and he would talk about like, the device's impressive results, and just pass out free samples to everyone who walked by. Very chill, very chill. Um, and at the time... Free samples. You listen, want an IUD? Listen to this shit. At the time, FDA regulations that applied to medications were not required for medical devices. So there what? was zero oversight when it came to selling things like IUDs or, or like contact lenses or pacemakers or like i imagine like joint replacements and stuff too right? yeah and even artificial heart valves there's what? no fd regulations on any any like medical device at this time holy shit yeah so these devices literally went to the market without being tested by an independent agency and straight into the hands and the hearts of consumers Damn. Who didn't like know anything about these things. Yeah. It's wild. So it wasn't long until the Dalkin Shield became extremely popular. By 1970, multiple large pharmaceutical companies had approached the Dalkin Corporation about purchasing the rights to the IUD, including one Virginia based Fortune 500 company called A.H. Robbins. Okay. So over its 100-year history, the Robbins Company had created or acquired a line of insanely successful products like the Chapstick brand lip balm, mm-hmm. uh, Robitussin cough syrup, a flea collar that Forbes magazine once accused of killing pets, and various cosmetics. But Shit. at the time, the Robbins Company wasn't selling any contraceptive products, so... They were like, let's do that. And after multiple meetings and three days of negotiations, the Dalkin Corporation sold the Dalkin Shield to the A.H. Robbins Company for $750,000. In addition, the agreement entitled the four men of the Dalkin Corporation to 10% of gross sales of the product in the U.S. and Canada. Hot damn. Thad Earl and Hugh Davis and Erwin Lerner would also serve as consultants to the company, and they would earn up to $30,000 a year doing that, too. Okay. So it was only a few days later that Dr. Davis would testify at the Nelson Peel hearings that he had no financial interest in any intrauterine device. This was, like, right after that. Okay. Yeah. I got to testify. Pull up in the spot saying, I don't have any money in that IUD company. <laughs> Literally just <laughs> sold it, like, and is going to get sale profits from it. He's like, I did have money in it. <laughs> you know, he's like, technically, I don't have money in it. Yeah, but he guessed. Asking me that right now. He had a financial I'm... stake in it. So, in like 1971. Me... That is so funny, though, that he definitely tried to get away, like, on the technicality of, like, 
They do I have stake in this. Well, I did. The check's still in the mail. Yeah, maybe you it know, was. Like... Check's still in the mail. <laughs> In 1971, the Robbins Company launched like a pretty ingress- aggressive marketing campaign uh, supporting the Dalkin Shield, including a two-page magazine spread that became known as the Flying Uterus. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. The ad just bragged about the device's 1.1% pregnancy rate and suggests that it's the ideal contraceptive for those women who have not yet had children and for those who were too disorganized to remember to take their pill every day. Nowhere on the... Con- hey, if you're too stupid to manage your own care. Okay, it is hard. I know it is hard, <laughs> but I don't like that it's being condescending. Yeah, it's like... Towards a lady. Yeah. So nowhere on the copy is it mentioned that Dr. Hugh Davis is financially involved with the product, but his name is included as a researcher in the footnotes of the statistics. Huh. So. The marketing campaign was effective, and over the next three years... The Dalkin Shield sold more than 2.2 million units in the U.S. and captured 60% of the IUD market. Damn. In addition to 1.7 million shields sold overseas. Cash in, cash out. It's a lot. Yeah. The product had proved to be incredibly successful and profitable. It cost A.H. Robbins about 35 cents to manufacture a single shield which they then sold for $4 to physicians, who then sold it to patients for $12. It cost them $0.35 cents to make. And they were making it in the same factory as their chapsticks. That's crazy. Yeah. So because the Dalkin Shield was so popular, the Robbins Company, they were very fast to brush off the initial complaints that the product received early in its launch. One physician wrote to the company with concerns regarding the IUD's painful and difficult required method of insertion, stating, I have found the procedure to be the most traumatic manipulation ever perpetrated on womanhood, and I have inserted thousands of other varieties. That is like a wild thing to say. Yeah. But the Robbins company, they didn't care about this or that they were using faulty data to promote this thing because the money they were making, they were making tons of money off this thing. So by faulty data, I mean that Dr. Davis's 1.1% pregnancy rate claim, and that was the basis of the Shield's entire marketing campaign, was discovered to have been derived from tests that lasted an average of five and a half months per test subject. Oh, shit. Which is not enough time. No. Well, it's also crazy that he, like, did the study that they based everything off of, and he has, like, direct financial stake in it. Yes. And, you know, that's, yeah. like, a huge... And he's like, it works, I swear, look at this. Like, yeah, I bet you do. Yeah. So even worse, several of the test subjects alleged that Dr. Davis had recommended that they use, like, a spermicidal foam which was another form of contraception at the mm-hmm. time, in addition to the IUD. So it was impossible to prove like the true effect and effectiveness of this device. So his tests were worthless, and the Robbins Company suspected as much before the acquisition of the shield was even finalized. So before the purchase even, before the Robbins Company purchased this thing, a company official named Dr. Fred Clark traveled to Baltimore to observe Dr. Davis's procedure. 
and when Fred Clark returned to the company headquarters in Richmond, he relayed his notes to his assistant that said 26 of 832 patients had become pregnant while wearing the Dalkin shield. So that's about 3.1% pregnancy rate. So not 1.1%. And Robin's lawyers would later claim that the assistant made a typo while transcribing Dr. Clark's notes. According to them, instead of 26 pregnancies, the notes should have read an additional six pregnancies. So they're blaming women again, even though that's not the case. No, it's not the case. Like, he did mean that 26 women did get pregnant. So the Robbins company eventually performed their own tests on the Dalkin shield and observed a pregnancy rate closer to 2%. But this number didn't seem right either because similar tests performed by Kaiser Medical Center in Sacramento and Beth Israel Hospital in Boston resulted in rates of 5.6% and 10.1%. Whoa. Whoa. So this thing really doesn't really work. <laughs> no. It's a one in 10 shot. And everyone's trying to hide, like, the doctor that the Robbins company sent over was like, you know, he came back with a 3.1% rate, but he you know, didn't tell anyone about it. Or he did, and they didn't care. And Hugh Davis, who invented this thing, is like, I swear it's 1.1%, but then all these other random hospitals are doing their tests, and they're like, no, it's not. It's like 10%. Jesus. So the results of these tests that these two hospitals did, they were ignored, and the Robbins company just continued selling the shield with that 1.1% statistic plastered everywhere. So, now Dr. Fred Clark, the physician they sent over to observe Dr. Hugh Davis, essentially denied his involvement with the SHIELD. However, he was heavily involved in the acquisition process, and it was later discovered that he had ignored an internal memo prepared by Robbins, um, by the Robbins company doctors six months before the product went to market. So, he ignored this memo that basically expressed concern that the tail attached to the shield could be significantly dangerous to the women who wore the IUD. The doctors described how the multiple threads at the string could enable bacteria from Ugh. outside the vagina to enter the uterus by essentially like climbing up yeah. the, the string. And this could lead to an increased risk of massive infections. Oh my God. And obviously this memo went ignored. And you want to know why? Well, money. And did he know and he didn't want to? He probably knew. And also because any improvements made to that IUD was meant and was going to be budgeted toward making sure that it was more comfortable for the men when having sex. Because multiple people, men, I don't know, complained that it wasn't that comfortable when they were having sex. So that's what they were focusing all their energy on. So... That was the focus. Memos were ignored, and the girls started to get sick. The FDA was soon flooded with reports um, from Dalkin Shield users who have suffered from pelvic inflammatory disease and blood poisoning. Oh, my God. So there's a woman named Linda Tao. She was a 20-year-old secretary from Baltimore who was planning to wait a few years before having kids. So she got the Dalkin shield inserted in 1970 by Dr. Hugh Davis himself. 
And four months after this, Linda experienced debilitating pain and near constant bleeding. So she called the doctor over and over again, planned all these follow-up visits, and Dr. Davis would just tell Linda that she was fine, that this was normal, like, it's fine, don't worry. So she dealt with the pain and bleeding for literally another year before deciding to have the IUD removed. So Linda's health seemed to, like, immediately improved. She started to look like herself again, but the inside of her body was not the same. Five years after removing the shield, Linda began experiencing excruciating stomach pains, and while on vacation in New York, her body temperature just increased dramatically, and she was just overcome with chills, so she was rushed to the emergency room where the doctors found that her uterus was covered in adhesions and became almost completely enveloped by scar tissue. So doctors diagnosed Linda with pelvic inflammatory disease, and over the next four years, she would undergo eight additional operations. Her fallopian tubes had to be completely reconstructed, and um, she was told that if she was interested in having children, she would have to consider adoption. Like, she's not going to have kids because of this That's thing. horrible. Yeah. So Linda was not the only one either, I'm sure you can imagine. Um, 327,000 other women have reported similar stories to Linda's because That's of the Dalkin Shield. Isn't That's that like an insane number? Isn't that number huge? Yes. Yeah. It's massive. Um, I don't know if they're all in, like infertile. They just reported similar stories. So they could, you know, have had just a That's lot of horrific. pain. But yeah. Mm-hmm. That is horrific. That is a huge problem. Just a, a little soapbox. That's a huge problem with the for profit healthcare system. Yeah. That people fudge science to try to be able to get something to market to make money. And A.H. Robbins denied that there was any proven correlation between their product and the reported health issues. The company felt it had no responsibility to warn its consumers about the product. And one of the common defenses used by the Robbins executives and their legal team suggested that the victim's poor hygiene and multiple sex partners could be oh, just yeah. as much responsible for the infections. Oh, yeah, of course. Than the device. Yes, it's women being hoes, actually. <laughs> oh, so of course. They're basically like, we have no responsibility to warn anybody. Like, it's not our job. And to top it off, um, pelvic inflammatory disease and blood poisoning was not the worst of the side effects. So medical reporting for some doctors actually found the shield just floating freely in the abdomen cavity of some patients because it had ripped through the walls of the uterus. And some women who got pregnant while wearing the shield would often suffer from late-term miscarriages and others who gave, would give birth to like deformed or brain-damaged babies. And we know for sure at least 20 women died from complications related to the Dalkin Shield. But that's all we know about. Like, we only, all we, this, we only hear the number 20, but it's likely there's probably more. Because at the same time that these reports start flooding into the FDA from 1971 to 1974, 
A.H. Robbins had made a deal with the government to send hundreds and thousands of these falcon shields to third world countries and in order to offset the cost, A.H. Robbins cut costs for these by cutting the sterilization portion of the manufacturing. Wait, what? Yes. They're sending all these Dalkin shields to third world countries, and to save money, they're cutting the sterilization part out. So now that is like truly some sicko. Yeah, you know this person is sick. Like we were talking about, like control what population. So they put together these devices and sent them out unsterilized. So if twenty women in the U.S. died, how many died in these other countries? In these third world countries, they were sending these to. Like the stats were never reported or made available, and the federal government government never issued a recall until 1976, which was two years after sales in America had stopped. That's crazy. That's so. Oh, these sickos! And just like sending it out the door. Still, after they know it's dangerous, not sterilizing. Yeah, and now you're not and then deliberately them. sending it to like third world, world countries. Country. It's like, so fucked so up. messed up. And of the seven hundred and sixty nine thousand that were sent overseas, fewer than half were actually returned. And people say that if you still walk into clinics in some of these third world countries, you can still see the Dalkin shield there and like ready to be uh, implanted into women to this day. Wild, right? So now, as all this was coming out about Dr. Davis and the Dalkin Shield, Dr. Davis was convinced that this was all just a smear campaign, and none of this was real. And this is because there were new companies selling you selling i like new IUDs, and his IUD IUDs were too popular, and they had to get rid of them. Like he just thought it was a big smear campaign. But finally, A.H. Robbins gave in under the pressure of citizen outrage and recall from the FDA, FDA came in and they suspended the sale of the Dalkin Shield in 1974. And the company found itself to be part of thousands of lawsuits. The very first case... I venture to reckon, yes. The very first case was in 1975 and A.H. Robbins lost... Uh, They had an in-house counsel at the time, and as soon as they lost, they kicked that law firm to the curb, and they hired this new law firm. And this new law firm had, like, two strategies about how they were going to be successful and win all these lawsuits. They either, one, were going to prolong the cases just so long that these women women won't be able to afford counsel, and they'll have to drop out or go bankrupt. And number two... If they keep going, we're just going to embarrass them on the stand and ask them all these personal questions about their sex life, like, to deter others from coming forward. So this new law firm was like, we got these strategies that are terrible. So now as the 1980s arrived and the legal battle was getting started, thousands of people joined together for a lawsuit. There were still women wearing the Dalkin shield at this point, too. So, in 1984, A.H. Robbins started a program to warn women about the Dalkin Shield. In 1984, these things went on sale in... In the 70s. In the 70s. right? Yeah. And they even offered them money to have it removed if they wanted to. But at this point, like, it's 1984. It's too late, brother. So, court cases continue... You done goofed. 
they continue, and as they do, A.H. Robbins cover the the A.H. Robbins cover up is completely exposed, and it comes out that the company destroyed incriminating evidence, like those memos and you know all these real test results. So this was the beginning of the end. <laughs> Before these trials even finished, they filed for bankruptcy in 1985 to actually avoid having to pay any future women that came forward. Mm-hmm. Um, $2.5 billion of theirs was set aside for litigation, but there were so many women that on average, the women in lawsuits took home less than $1,000 a piece. Isn't <laughs> that so insane? And just like having their life ruined and mm-hmm. like... There was, they had $2.5 million set aside and so many women came forward that they all got less than a thousand dollars. That's like, oh my God. Despite all of this, their stock prices still rose though. And they were sold to another company for $3 billion. And the owner of A.H. Robbins pocketed $385 million tax free. Technically, none of the employees at A.H. Robbins had broken any laws, so there was no punishment to the company or the employees, and not even to Dr. Davis. These people are responsible for the death of 20 women that we know of. Sterile women, they all get punished by getting $385 million. God damn. So in the aftermath, Dr. Davis's paranoia became uncontrollable, so he wouldn't go anywhere without a bodyguard, and he spent all of his free time trying to invent a new device that would redeem his reputation. Yeah. And he actually ended up being committed to a psychiatric facility where he remained for 10 years. And according to his son, it wasn't, like, guilt that made him, you know, go into this facility or, like, whatever. It was the fact that he was wrong. Yeah. And he was proved wrong. So he, but he stood by his design until the day he died, which was um, in 1996 of pancreatic cancer. So as a result of this whole thing, the FDA changed their laws and now they do have to approve medical devices. (laughs) And for a long time, IUDs plummeted in popularity because of this too. And it's just like, I feel like in recent years started to resurface again. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it was because of this. Like that's crazy. It's the most insane story. Nobody got in trouble. Like a forty-year like lull almost in them because of this. Yeah, that's insane. So much. This reminded me so much of one of my favorite stories, The Radium Girls. If you haven't read the book, it's by Kate Moore. It's really good, but it's just about how like women were literally dying, and nobody did anything because they just wanted to make money, and there were so many cover-ups and. Oh, it's so wild. Awful. And this was only in the 70s. Only like, in the 70s. Yeah. At least the Radium Girls was like, I don't remember when that was. I think like the teens. <laughs> hey, good luck out there, women in America. Good luck out there. Right? I know it's fucked up. It's extremely fucked up. It still is. It still is. I was like, it's not any much better now. I know. The disparity in health care between like women and men is insane. They were just How many women like out. have d- diseases that go like undiagnosed for years and years because doctors like you're stressed out. Oh my god. It's fucking crazy. Story of my life, sadly. I think it's a story of many, many women's life in the yeah. US. I've heard that over and over. I mean again. at least and you know what? That the more I think about it, that's probably like the more polite way to be like, 
hysteria. No, this is the more polite <laughs> right? way to say hysteria. Correct. Yeah. You're just stressed. Like Yeah, you're just freaking yourself out. It's like, uh, no, I'm not. I'm literally not. Yeah. So I think that's a very important story for everybody to know. I agree. I It's also just again, it ties into so many things that we talk about, though, like you know, the the government. The American government just being completely fucking willingly inept. Mm-hmm. If it means turning a profit, I mean the the like ability to look past things in order to turn a profit, like it's bad. This is like absolutely insane. If you haven't, this can also only happen in a society that that commodifies healthcare like this too. Yeah, you know, it could only happen like the this because it would thing- not have this kind of shit would not happen in a system where you weren't making money off of taking care of people. Right, if you weren't going to make so much money by selling this IUD, like there's no, there's no incentive to lie about it, yeah. right? Cuz it's like you're not you're not trying to get it out the door before your competitor, you're not trying to get it out the door at the cheapest price. Right. You know, like I also like wonder so often like how many of our like literal pharmaceutical drugs would be like more effective and less cause less side effects in people if we didn't if it wasn't like a space race to get it done first. I know. Or if it wasn't so profitable. Like, here, yeah, you need saying, this yeah. pill to combat this side effect from this pill. Like, and, like, how just... many of those pills, like, did they just not go all the way with, like, inventing, like, cure-alls because they want to keep people coming back yeah, exactly. and, like, taking the medicine every week instead of just, like, It's that old, like, there's a cure for cancer out there. The government just doesn't want to, you Dude, know. well, there's literally a lung time. cancer vaccine in Cuba. There is literally a lung cancer vaccine in Cuba. And they and we don't we will not take the patent for it. Like we we the American government like refuses to even negotiate getting their hands on it. We're idiots. <laughs> yep. So that's that on that. Um I'm sure there's tons of other women out there who have stories. Obviously three hundred and twenty seven thousand reported issues with this 327,000 so, reported issues thank you so we didn't really get into all of them obviously we just go through the list of every single one and this one this is like a nine-hour podcast i wonder how many people actually died too i really wonder how many people actually died from this thing i'm sure t- i'm sure a handful you think it's more than 20 like they reported yeah, it's definitely more than they reported. We have no idea what we went on know in the third they, world countries. So. We already know that they were underreporting at a rate of like three to one, right? Because even more than that, four, five almost to one. Because they said it caused, they said that they were like 20. They, we know they were lying about stuff like that already because they said 26 births. Yeah. They called it They six. were lying about the. So they the shrunk it down, you know, four Pregnancy rates, yeah. So I'm sure that the death toll is at least double, you know. If not four times five. And no times. one got in trouble. And these poor That's women just America. barely got any money. Yep. It's rough out there. It's rough out there. All right. Follow the show on Instagram at Spooky Show Pod and rate and review on Apple Podcasts, please. Harrison. I got nothing new this week. Listen to baseball hat as always. Okay. And have the best week of your entire life. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.